Welcome back. You're watching Stock Picks. Today we unpack Nasparis, Amandi, and US 10 year bonds. And that's with Corbus Borghita from Southern Across Capital. Corbus, it's always a pleasure and a good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Alexander. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. Um, okay, I, I would say stocks, but why have you chosen uh, these uh, two stocks and bonds uh, today, Corbus? Why are we going in this direction? So, uh, as a theme, I thought, mm. given the immense dollar strength, we, um, oh, sorry, dollar weakness mm. and rand strength we've been seeing. I mean, there's, there's a investments that we call contrarianism. Mm. And it essentially comes down to when everyone is bolting for the door, you shouldn't be bolting for, for, for the same door. Mm. And we saw with the rand pushing up to 1920 and the bond yields blowing out locally, that was precisely the time to overweight local. That was precisely the time to take your offshore assets, bring some of them onshore, tactically reweight. Um, and you would have benefited enormously with the RAND having appreciated an excess of 10%. Those ridiculous yields we saw in the long, in the long and medium-term bonds have, have come off significantly. And now I would say, you know, and honestly, the queries we fielded at the time was, how do I get my money out? Mm. How do I get more dollar hedge? How do I hedge against this nonsense? And you can't be doing that kind of thing when the entire market is doing that. Mm. And now the same applies when things are looking rosy locally versus offshore and the rand is pushing against 1760 which is quite which is quite attractive uh, perhaps now's the time to reweight in the opposite direction perhaps now's the time to look at a few at a few bargains offshore mm. now i like quality counters i like bondi it's one of one of our core holdings almost always in the portfolio at the moment um you know, it's quite attractively valued. Mm -hmm. We're sort of going through a bottom of the cycle in terms of the underlying prices they fetch for their products, but it looks like that is turning. They're getting some some uh, forex tailwinds as well, and it's always an attractive long-term hold to have in your portfolio, which has of course lost its shine because of the recent brand strength. Mm -hmm. So now is an opportunity to uh, pick it up for a bit cheaper than you would have than you would have been able to a couple of weeks ago. Similar similar thesis, I suppose, with the NASPERS. Mm -hmm. um, we like value. We like the fact that it trades at a 10% discount to to process and a 30% discount to uh, um, to 10 cent. There, the thesis is a bit different. Uh, we saw, you know, perhaps the the the, the Chinese reemergence uh, post hard COVID measures was a tad disappointing. But that thesis is still in the market and should still realize. And then more exciting for the tech space, of course, seems to be the fact that the CCP are backing off a little bit in terms of that severe tech regulation and the tech numbers are managing to adjust. And hopefully we can see 10 cent resume decent growth in the, in the short to medium term. And now instead of punting my usual British American tobacco, I thought, Let's grab a U.S. 10-year bond, okay. which uh, is looking particularly attractive. It's yielding close to 4% at the moment. And just for context, um, once we add back the carry, which is in excess of 4%, right? So if I can hedge back that exposure and pick up my interest rate differential, mm. that's yielding well in, in excess of 8%, 8.5%, relative, relative to our own bond, which is trading at, well, what is that? Uh, mm -hmm. Let me pull that up quickly. Okay. Our own call it 10-year bond, mm -hmm. is uh, just over 9%. Mm -hmm. To my mind, that doesn't reflect, you know, the, the risk of a credit event in South Africa accurately. And for that reason, the U.S. bond looks relatively attractive. Mm -hmm. um, and 
if you are concerned that globally equity is a bit overvalued, there are fixed income opportunities. And as part of this whole thesis we are seeing playing out, where people are expecting the the, glo- the reserve banks globally to pause for the rates to sort of top top out and then stabilize and come down over time, maybe we'll see cuts um, towards the middle of next year. That is very positive for US bonds. Mm-hmm. And if you can pick them up for what looks like a good price and given a robust, strong rand at the moment, so you can pick them up from your from a rand perspective for cheaper than you could a while ago, that creates a really nice opportunity to rebalance your portfolio now. Now's the time, perhaps, to, to move some of that capital offshore, not when everybody else is trying to do the same thing at 19.20 to the dollar. I think it's Warren Buffett uh, who said that, right, um, uh, Corbis, that when people are going in one direction, you should probably be looking in another. I'm keen to find out, though, uh, with uh, the pricing in of a 25 bips increase um, in the U.S. interest rates tomorrow, um, you know, what does it do for the case for uh, these 10-year bonds, considering now that many people may actually look in this direction as a result? So, interesting. I mean, we always talk about the inverted yield curve without mm-hmm. explaining what yes, that is. Yes. In the simplest terms, yeah. <laughs> the five-year bond is in fact yielding higher than the 10-year bond right now. Mm-hmm. So, which is re- ludicrous because you mean to be rewarded for taking for taking a longer time horizon. And that five-year bond is reflecting the short-term rates expectations. The 10-year bond is reflecting the long-term rates mm-hmm. expectations. And that is telling in the short term, we expect rates to be high for longer. However, in the long term, on average, we expect rates to normalize to a more sustainable level that is significantly lower than the current spot federal target rate. So that's important. The 25 bips has basically been telegraphed. It is in the price. You in all likelihood going to find that not even the five-year bond moves much, depending on how hawkish or dovish the statement is. But ultimately, what ends up happening is... You know, these things, these things sort of correct for, for the average return that you're going to get over the time horizon. That doesn't mean there's more upside on the five-year bond because of the, the shorter duration. Should those rates adjust, you're going to do significantly less return. Mm-hmm. Say, we you know, we go from a, from a, say they cut at 50 basis points in mm-hmm. a year's time. Okay. You're going to do better out of your lower yielding 10-year bond that you're going to do out of your higher yielding shorter dates at five-year bond. So from that perspective, the 10-year bond becomes both well protected, but also provides more upside um, from that perspective. So I would say for the moment, the bonds are pricing pricing the 25 basis points hike, but what they are also pricing is a willingness to sort of sit back and see whether or not the hikes do tame inflation. And for the moment, at the very least, in that we're finally seeing cooling earnings, um, which again, I suppose, uh, is bad for equity, which is partly why I'm punting the idea of bonds, because in a recession, bonds do particularly well, particularly relative to equity, but also in absolute terms. And at the same time, uh, it allows us to express this view that, listen, Maybe the economy cools because of this monetary policy, but ultimately it will be good. It will be good for this asset class. So it's a nice way uh, to position yourself for precisely that outcome. The risk to the trade, of course, is that they end up having to hike more mm-hmm. than is currently being telegraphed. But given that inflation does seem to be cooling and the job markets may be starting to creak a little bit, we are hopefully towards the top. And now's a good time to rebalance towards that kind of asset. 
Kubasa also would like uh, to touch on NASPAS. Now, like you said, we are expecting, uh, you know, the Chinese government there to just uh, relax a little bit in terms of the grip um, on tech and all companies within the private sector operating in um, uh, in China. And therefore, we're actually making reference uh, to um, uh, Tencent here. But do you realize that, that we're actually speaking about NASPAS, but that we actually end up speaking about Tencent? Absolutely. Yeah. The fact is that Tencent is so big in their lives, it's not, it, it doesn't even make intuitive sense. Mm. It's, it's more than 100% of their value sure. sits, sits inside of uh, uh, Tencent. And frankly, the market until very recently, and now still to a lesser degree, has been describing it as such, seeing uh, management's action, not within Tencent, within Naspers and Process, mm. as value destructive, mm. which to be fair, it was value destructive. So, uh, so from that perspective, so that, I mean, an, another factor we hadn't even mentioned at play here is the fact that management have recently been taking steps to simplify the structure, to actually listen to the market, to actually try and unlock shareholder value and let go of that bone where they think that making the structure more convoluted and more complicated um, will somehow unlock value. Um, so, so from that perspective, you know, I, I like the simplification. Mm -hmm. I like to think that should it widen again, they've now they've now demonstrated that they're willing to go into the market and do aggressive share buybacks instead of investing into into silly ventures where they where they can't they simply construct strike the same lucky lucky investment as they did with the tents in the, in the first place. They they acknowledge that hey, this asset is trading at a thirty percent discount to NAV. So for every rand I spent, I'm getting call it one rand thirty of value. So it makes more sense to buy back my stock. So from that perspective, you know, that willingness from management mm. plus this bullish outlook on ten cents itself makes this a very, very attractive investment. More so than going into ten cents directly. Mm. At this stage I would absolutely rather hold the NASPUS. So it becomes an attractive way to play that thesis around China reemerging and of course as you've mentioned the uh uh, deregulation or, or, or softer regulation of the tech space in China. Also, Ken, uh, just to get your thoughts on Mondi. Mondi still is invested in Russia. Um, of course, they are trying to get out. It's proving to be harder than expected, Aquabus. Uh, is this at all a risk to Mondi? Um, uh, you know, especially in the long term. This war has been going on for uh, quite a while, I think longer than we all expected. Yes, so I mean, to, for all intents and purposes, we've taken the view that those assets are worth nothing, sure. um, and I suspect the market has done the same. Mm. So, from if, if if that's your approach, and and despite that, we saw we see you know more than seventy five rand upside on the in the share price from this level. So, um, if you sort of take it as a step in or a cigarette butt or a bit of free optionality, any value they do manage to squeeze out of that business. And it is apparently managing to operate again. It is apparently managing to source um, source materials again. It is apparently producing some output. Unfortunately, you know, capital controls and all the and sanctions and all the rest. There's no way for them to access that. Um, but uh, uh, if there is a little bit of upside. Um, you know, that's just a little freebie. But for all intents and purposes, we've written that down to zero in terms of valuation. Very interesting, um, because that also then comes with an acquisition in Canada. Are you excited about that acquisition? You know, we don't often speak about uh, the, the economic environment in Canada, Aquavis. Uh, so I'm keen uh, to find out if you have any insights on that um, and what that might mean for this acquisition for Mondi. 
No, look, I mean, it's a commodities business. So mm -hmm. you almost need to just look at marginal cost of production and marginal cost of cost of sale, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, um, and what what's the best region to operate in? And there's a reason they liked Eastern Europe. Mm -hmm. It was a it was a relatively cheap um, cheap production uh, destination. I don't have any particular insights on what's happening in Canada, mm -hmm. but I can say that this management team have an excellent track record of bedding down these kinds of acquisitions, and plugging them in um, to, to their existing operations very efficiently. Mm -hmm. And people don't give them credit. We seem to uh, we seem to forget, you know, how successful these guys have been offshore, and we all fixate on. Pick and Pay's failure in Australia, and Woolies's venture into Australia, and well, Mutual's failed venture into land, into into the UK. But this is a this is a business that has done remarkably well in those developed markets, and uh, uh, given the competence of the team, we uh, we expect that they'll continue to do so. Uh, one thing that is a surprise uh, for me, Aquabus, especially with Mondi, and I guess with Sappy the same, is just how valuable paper is um, in a time when we're all speaking about going uh, green. Um, I'm keen to find out, you know, what your thoughts are about that, uh, you, you know, or has e-commerce given it an extra edge? <laughs> well, my take-a-lot boxes, uh, you know, my one, one kilogram package arrives and two and a half kilograms of packaging, so... <laughs> From that perspective, I'm not I'm not all that worried. Again, mm -hmm. they do make a lot of corrugated corrugated mm -hmm. paper, which is used for precisely this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So you're right. I think, um, and then of course the move away from plastic is in fact highly beneficial to mm -hmm. them. So uh, <laughs> I think on average, uh, you know, on average, uh, given given you know globalization and the direction the direction the integration of the global economy has been remarkably uh, um, positive for the asset class you're right we're moving away from paper but that's not really you know that bigger part of their business um, in any case and i think uh, uh, the way the way it's been set up you know um, they'll continue to make money out of that for as long as they can but the business is way more diversified and not as simple as just you know a plain paper business well Corvus, thank you so much for joining us it is always a pleasure uh, getting your thoughts and insights there just reminding us uh, not to follow the crowd uh, stand out go in opposite direction look in other places thank you it's always a pleasure uh, getting your thoughts and that was Aquavis Porchita from Southern Cross Capital with your Tuesday edition of Stock Picks.